What, what am I? What, am I starting this thing? You, you got a joke. <laughs> a joke? Uh, we're living inside the joke. <laughs> That's my joke. Look around. <laughs> On any given day. Uh, why did the baseball stadium get... Uh, no, just wait. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. This is two two guests in a row who have come completely unprepared with a joke. I am really disappointed. And my son just told me this one yesterday. Why was the baseball stadium uh, too hot after the game? Why? Because all the fans left. (laughs) Womp womp. That's all I got. Hello, this is The Calgarian. I'm Taylor Lambert. My guest today is local media mogul, Jeremy Clausus, uh, the founder and editor-in-chief of The Sprawl. If you haven't heard of The Sprawl, it is a crowdfunded, independent local news outlet that tries to fill some of the gaps in Calgary's journalism landscape. It's been around for a year and a half now, And it's been very successful in terms of both the amount of money it's able to raise from supporters and in terms of the work it's published. Um, I write for The Sprawl fairly regularly. And actually, it was only after we had done this interview that Jeremy and I realized we'd forgotten to mention the most ambitious and high-profile story The Sprawl has done so far, which was sending me to San Francisco to dig into Jason Kenney's far-right student activist days which turned into a two-part investigation called The Young Zealot. Um, No other media outlet sent a reporter to San Francisco for that story, so that is a feather in the cap for the sprawl. Um, We just got caught up talking about other things and neglected to mention it. So there it is. You should go read that story and check out the rest of the sprawl. It is worth your time. A reminder, as always, that this podcast is also crowdfunded and relies on support from you, both monetary and otherwise. If you like the show, please consider sharing it on social media and telling your friends about it, or becoming a supporter for as little as a buck a month on Patreon. Visit thecalgarian.ca for more details. And now, here is my conversation with Jeremy Clausus. Well, that's true, but that's another story. So I don't know, should we start with like a full disclosure thing that uh, I occasionally work for you? Sometimes you are my boss. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Boss and editor. Yeah. Yeah. I would be really offended and disheartened if anybody who listened to this podcast didn't know what the sprawl was, but just in case... How would you describe the sprawl? What's your like very short description when you meet somebody at a party or something? Yeah, I, I mean, in a nutshell, I call it Calgary pop-up journalism. So the idea is going deep on one story at a time instead of trying to cover everything that's happening all the time in the city. So it's local, ad-free, crowdfunded, and kind of a new way of doing local journalism. I feel like, and I remember like you, you sold it initially as, as pop-up journalism, and like even amongst journalists, I feel like they were really unfamiliar with that that concept. Is that is that kind of the response you often get? Like, uh, cool, what's pop up journalism? Totally, yeah, yeah. Because like, what is that even? <laughs> Which I kind of like because it invites further questions. Like, what do you mean by that? What is that? 
Um, and it's kind of, I'm, I mean, I kind of took a trendy idea, I guess, this whole pop-up idea, pop-up shops and whatever else, and applied it to journalism. I got the idea partially from a local business, um, Cafe Clatch. Uh, so Jessica McCarroll has, I think she still has this coffee cart. She goes to events with it, like a cargo bike with coffee stuff on it. And, and yeah, I thought, I just thought that was cool. I'm like, she doesn't pay rent. She doesn't, uh, or didn't at that time, but she used the city as her backdrop, like used where she was as, Hey, here's, here's where I'm doing my work. Mm. Um, yeah. So I thought, Hmm, could that work with journalism? What it is, is that like you don't, you're not always set up as a, as a continually publishing model. You, you, pop up and, and publish a bunch of stuff. You cover an issue and then you disappear for a while, right? Exactly. And that, that lets you avoid the pitfalls of having to pay rent, pay overhead, like your ongoing costs. Uh, and you can just focus on going deep on stories rather than like churning out garbage just constantly just for the sake of it. That's, that's like the basic idea, right? Exactly. And every iteration is different um, <clears throat> and can be different in terms of format or even location like so we did one earlier this year at the library uh, where we had a pop-up newsroom where people would drop in and read old news articles about the future of Calgary and post on the walls what they wanted for Calgary and then we made a newspaper uh, which was kind of fun because we'd only ever done digital stuff so to make a hard copy newspaper for that edition seemed to make sense because it, it's kind of a timeless topic like it's not tied to this week or even this month it's like what's next for Calgary um, the kind of standard digital journalism thing is publishing articles on a website so and obviously the sprawl does that like that's the main thing the sprawl does um, but I'm always wondering yeah what's a different format or what's a different twist on that um, that fits with the content somehow so it's, yeah, every iteration is different. I feel like, I mean, the sprawl has been very successful, and we'll talk about that in a second, but I feel like your journalism career, like, there's a line between it, like, you've, you've been a bunch of different things in your in your career, but, like, there's the sprawl, and then there's before the sprawl. It's, like, just radically different. What possessed you to do something insane like to a journalism startup at a time when that doesn't seem like uh, the most fiscally sound enterprise yeah well one thing that made it easy was that I wasn't uh, like I wasn't leaving a well-paying job to start the sprawl like I was a free you're a poor freelancer <laughs> I was a freelance journalist so I was like there was only only one way to go and that's up so <laughs> well fuck it I'm already broke <laughs> yeah exactly uh, so it wasn't yeah, I mean, like, people look at it and they're like, oh, you took such a big risk. And I'm kind of like, I mean, in a sense, yeah, I guess. But not really. Like, it, I wasn't leaving some massive securely position. Um, but, yeah, I'd always had a sense after Fast Forward folded in 2015. So Fast Forward was the alt-weekly paper in Calgary that published 20 years, I think. Uh, and I worked there as a staff writer and as an intern when I was in journalism school and then as a freelancer after that. And when it folded, everybody's like, oh man, like there's a big hole in our media landscape now. You know, I'm going to miss fast forward. Where am I going to get my local news? And and so I was kind of conscious of that. Like people loved this thing. And now that it's gone, they're like, okay, now what? Um, 
And yeah, and anytime I would kind of uh, muse aloud about that on Twitter, people would be like, oh yeah, you should do something. Like, if you did something, we would support it. And <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> but then, yeah, how do you actually do that? And then, yeah, it, it just the timing worked out with the civic election in 2017. Uh, launching at that time and it turned out to be an interesting race and everything just kind of came together in that regard. <laughs> I feel like you were selling yourself short here a little bit like oh it just sort of happened. Well, <laughs> it didn't it didn't just happen but it was like yeah I mean that summer before launching it I kind of had this vague idea in, in my head and I started meeting with different people including you to get your insight into like what could this look like like what what does Calgary need? Uh, how would it actually sustain itself, or like go for more than you know a year or whatever? And how when, when you I, I have I don't remember what I told you in that when we talked, but like did you get a diversity of opinions, like really oh, yeah. uh, divergent ideas on what this should look like? Yeah, totally. And you were well. I do remember what you told me. You told me like the big thing with crowdfunding is you need a crowd uh, <laughs> in order to do it which stuck with me. Uh, and that's kind of one of the reasons I decided, you know what, I'm just going to start this and do it and then ask for the crowdfunding after. Because that was, that was your advice. You're like, get the crowd and then ask for money. Um, Sean Holman, who's a MRU professor uh, at Mount Royal University, he used to cover, he was an indie journalist before it was cool, you could say, uh, in Victoria. So he covered the... BC legislature uh, with a site, I think it was called the Public... Public Eye? Public Eye, yeah. Um, and he did this for a number of years, and he was crowdfunded too. Um, but <laughs> he gave me some... I, I went into my coffee meeting with him thinking like, oh, he, you know, this guy's done, he's going to be so encouraging. And he basically said like, don't do just general public interest journalism and think it's going to work out. He's like, you got to find a niche. Uh, and an audience, or if you're going to do like the public interest journalism, you have to do something that's like truly new. Like you can't just be like, these are important subjects and therefore you should pay for them. And then that'll all work out. Like he was like, that doesn't work. So I remember like leaving the meeting being like kind of depressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a meeting about journalism if you don't end up depressed. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And then other people were like, you know, yeah, go ahead, like, you should do it, we'd support you. So kind of all these different pieces of advice came together. Shelley Youngblood at WordFest gave, like, what was probably the most important piece of advice, which was, forget about trying to do this big journalism thing for Calgary. She, she said, just cover the civic election and just do it on Facebook. And then that kind of jived with that whole pop-up idea, like, instead of trying to do everything in this huge thing just like do this one little thing and on one platform and the beauty of that pop-up model is when i was researching all you know how do people start a local journalism thing in this day and age like there's lots of examples of people starting that stuff but they kind of fizzle out after you know sometimes it's you know half a year or a year or whatever it is and if they even get off the ground. <laughs> if they, Yeah, exactly. And the posting becomes less frequent and like you just get a sense of like, ah, oh, this was started with good intentions, but like it lost 
it's gusto and like whoever started it had to take another job and all this stuff. So I, that was one of the conundrums. Like, how do you do it so that, you know, two years in or five years in, like there's still energy behind it, that it's not just like tapering off. Did you have um, like other models in mind that you based the sprawl on? Like how did, how did you come across the idea of pop-up journalism? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm trying to remember. It was... Because I know there's there's some examples in, in Europe that use the idea of like slow journalism, which is kind of the same idea. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if you had like any specific uh, inspirations or, or models that you drew from. I'm trying to remember, like, I, I feel like I stole a little bit from everybody uh, in terms of, yeah, coming up, up with the model. Like there was nothing, I don't think there's anything like specifically, I don't know. That's I'm, fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, where did the name The Sprawl come from? So that's, yeah, I was struggling to think, like, what do you, what's something that symbolizes Calgary or, like, what's in a single image? And so I was thinking, like, the quadrant, but it sounded, like, so hoity-toity. And then I was thinking, like, in my neighborhood, there's a flyover, like a traffic flyover. The flyover, no, that sounds like an aviation thing. Um, but then I met with Peter Hemminger, uh, who was a the music editor at Fast Forward when I was there and told him my idea for what I was doing. And he, and he said, like, he'd always had this idea of doing, like, a local Calgary broadsheet newspaper called The Sprawl. And he was like, except I'm never going to do this thing. Like, it's this great idea I have in my head, but I'm never going to do it. So if you want the name, it's yours. And as soon as he said that name, I was like, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> look, Calgary, like, The Sprawl, yeah. I hope he got a free T-shirt or something out of that. I think he did, but if not, I'll follow up with him. <laughs> no. Peter, tweet at Jeremy, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it, it came out of that, and uh, it's been interesting. Some people, the rare person gets offended by the name. Like, why? Why? What are you saying? Like, they think it's like a judgmental comment on Calgary or something. Um, I mean, it, it sucks. It the sprawl sucks. <laughs> well, it does. It's tongue-in-cheek, for sure. But yeah, <laughs> most people get it. I'm I'm curious more specifically about what like your views on the on the local media landscape here. Um, we'll we'll talk about like your career before the sprawl in a second, but like why did you feel that the sprawl was necessary? Like because it doesn't it doesn't replace fast forward. It's not no. the same thing as fast forward at all. It like there's some elements of it I think, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly focused on long-form journalism. Is it just, was that the, the, the thing that you saw missing? Or was it the way that you wanted to do coverage? Or who gets to do the coverage? Or what, what, what I guess, gaps in, in the local media landscape are you trying to address? Kind of, yeah, kind of a mix of all those. Because, yeah, Fast Forward was gone. Swerve was still around in the Calgary area. R.I.P. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, there wasn't a lot in terms of, I mean, if you look at Vancouver or Toronto, they've got Toronto Life and Vancouver Magazine, all these different different things. And we have some stuff like we have Avenue Magazine and whatnot. But yeah, that's a good question as to the gap. I, I mean, I gravitate towards civic affairs, like covering local politics and whatnot. And that certainly seemed like a gap. Like there wasn't much happening. That's a polite way of saying that you're a city hall nerd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And And yeah, like the Herald used to have multiple people uh, covering city hall, like you'd have your person who covered the daily meetings and the day-to-day stuff, and then somebody else who's doing the more deep dive investigative stuff, and then a city hall columnist, and they had like a real 
presence there. Uh, and that's been totally thinned out, uh, like down to one person, basically. Um, Shout out to Megan Pockins, who does do excellent coverage, exactly. and Madeline Smith, who does excellent coverage, and everybody else who does excellent coverage. We're not, we're not trying to dump totally. on anybody. Yeah, like, and, that, and that's what I always tell people. I'm like, people are doing good work who are still at City Hall. It's just the resources aren't there like they used to be. And so what happens is it does tend to be the daily, uh, here's what happened today or here's what's coming up uh, in the meeting today. Um, whereas in the past you'd have stuff, you'd have the daily stuff, which is important. You need to know that. Uh, but also like, okay, and meanwhile, in this other corner of City Hall or whatever, here's what's going on. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, at Fast Forward, when I was at Fast Forward, that was always the mo like what are the gaps what's the story that's not being covered right now um so i always gravitated toward that uh and then yeah as a freelancer i was doing more magazine type stuff so i gravitate toward longer in-depth stuff too and so all that kind of got rolled rolled into the sprawl i think that like when i mean it's no secret that like traditional media outlets are faced with a, a you know shrinking resources and they have to make tough choices and being that they are daily news outlets they they prioritize daily news and then the longer features and the investigations and the deep looks often are the things that they don't have time or resources or reporters or money for um, so if you take that stuff away if you take the daily grind away uh, it lets you do something with the flexibility of more like a magazine in a sense but with a bit more timeliness because you're online only yeah exactly and you can it's funny because I think of the sprawl as being in-depth and longer stuff, which sometimes it is. But like during the civic election and again during the provincial election, one of the things we did was live stream uh, candidate forums on Facebook. So it's like that's actually more immediate than daily news. Uh, but again, like that that's a thing that wasn't being done. So it's it's, yeah, looking at the landscape and being like, okay, what's the... What's the piece that's missing here, uh, and how can we fill it? All right, let's go back. I want to talk about your background in journalism and your background in general. You grew up in Calgary? Uh, no, Edmonton area, actually. Yeah, delivering the Edmonton Sun in Mournville, Alberta. <laughs> Is that your first uh, newspaper job? Yeah. Well, actually, first was St. Albert this week, and then, uh, yeah, then the Edmonton Sun. I had multiple routes. <laughs> Were you, was your family like a big uh, news household, big newspaper household? I don't think so even, which is kind of funny, but it was a good way to make money. Like, I don't know, I got like two or three hundred bucks a month from that job. You went to journalism school at Mount Royal, right? Exactly. So. What, what, did, what, did you, what did you want to do in journalism? What, what, what attracted you to that? That's funny that you say that because I was, we're getting ready to move and I was packing boxes and I came across my journal entry from the day that I applied uh, to Mount Royal. And <laughs> it's funny to look back on, because like, I was at missionary school. I was at the 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake City, actually, on a mission, Christian missions trip. Long story, we don't need to get into. But anyways, I applied at a public internet terminal when that was a thing. Um, and in my journal, I wrote that like, I'm excited about journalism school, and I and it'll be a great mission field. <laughs> oh, so you I, wanted so, to evangelize? Yeah, I wanted to evangelize. That was the idea, I guess, according to what I wrote. 
I don't even know how that would, how does that, how does that work for a... Oh, man. Evangelicals can turn anything into a uh, missions opportunity. Trust that's me. Fair, that's fair. So in journalism school, obviously something changed and you, you decided to have a different idea of what you wanted to do in the field. What, tell me about that. Yeah, and that's interesting because like when, like in high school, I was a right winger. Like I had, like my email address was I hate liberals at hotmail.com. <laughs> And I subscribed to the Alberta Report and read it religiously, like Ted Byfield and <laughs> Deliver the Edmonton Sun. So, like, so that was kind of my experience uh, growing up. And then, yeah, going to college and then encountering, like, new ideas and whatnot. Um, I kind of went the other way, I guess. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think about, like, what triggered that or, like, what made that happen? That's a good question. I think part of it is just you grow up and you realize like these right-wing certitudes are nonsense um, and they don't hold up. So yeah, and then I kind of found a home at Fast Forward, which was very much like a progressive, on the news side, like came at things from a progressive angle. Did you know that uh, you wanted to be a writer as opposed to like radio or TV or something else? Pretty early on, because I, I did do an internship at CTV, uh, but I didn't enjoy it, really. Like, I don't know, at Fast Forward, you could do interesting stuff that wasn't being covered elsewhere. Whereas, you know, at CTV, it was like, this event is happening today, or here's, yeah. When did you start freelancing? Probably, let me think here. Off and on, I've done it since journalism school, but basically in 20. 2009 the end of 2009 I left fast forward to be at home with my daughter uh so be a stay-at-home dad slash freelance and then yeah went from there is that a scary transition a scary decision uh it was but it also worked out really well like the two things complement each other because uh, freelancing is pretty uh well as you know <laughs> can be pretty depleting and pretty uh, demoralizing. So I found it actually... I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should write the guidebook on it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. But like having a kid around was good because it kind of pulled you out of that, in my experience. It was like, okay, now I got to take care of, you know, all these, all these tasks of caregiving. Um, and so I found those two things to be like a good mix as opposed to just freelancing. Um, at some point you started uh, being a civics columnist for Metro. When, when was that? Yeah, I mean, before that, I was an ill-defined columnist for the Herald, actually. But it wasn't civics per se, like that wasn't the parameters, although I often wrote about that. So that was like 2000, maybe 2001 onward. And then... Yeah, I switched to Metro in like 2014 or 2015, maybe. And then, yeah, with Metro, they were more focused on city hall stuff, transportation stuff, more civic affairs stuff just generally. So it was a good fit. Um, but writing a column, I, it's okay, but I often found like I had nothing to say. That's a problem with writing a column. Like you have to manufacture stuff, manufacture opinion, basically. <laughs> I mean, you're 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 engaged. You're you're uh, familiar with the issues. You're you're a city hall nerd. You know, you go deep on these things. It seems like 
how, how would you not have opinions on things in the city and how the city's run or built or, or the, the society operating in the, in the, in the city? I'm, I'm curious why you think you had trouble coming up with opinions. Well, part of my struggle was like, you know, the best, not the best columnist, but a lot of columnists can go into a situation and be like, I see it, it's this way, here's what should happen, and write that with absolute certitude or what appears to be absolute certitude. Whereas I often found I would be like, go into it and be like, uh, okay, here's the situation, but here's this other piece of information and this, oh, and maybe this isn't as black and white as I thought. And so <laughs> my stuff could, depends how you look at it, could either get bogged down in that or arguably maybe that was a strength of it, that it wasn't just like strident polemic, but just, yeah, like a little more nuance to it. I would just say I struggled to find a voice as a columnist. Like, I think it's hard to do. It's everybody thinks like, oh, I, I have an opinion. I could do that job. It's actually really hard. Like, it's, it's hard. And the people who do it well, man, like there's, there's an art to it. <laughs> but, and I, and Rick Bell is a true artist. <laughs> he's a true artist. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> he, he, he marches to the beat of his own drummer. No, I don't. <laughs> All right, so this is your life uh, when you decide to start The Sprawl. You're a freelancer, uh, stay-at-home dad, um, writing for magazines. Are you you're still writing the Metro column at this point? No. Uh, I actually think I wasn't because at some point they had budget cuts and I got cut, but then they hired me back on. But I don't remember. Yeah. But. So this is when you decide to start a independent journalism outlet, like a madman. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you blazed the trail. <laughs> Seriously, like you, and I remember us talking about that. Like you were like, I have this idea. Are you are you comfortable talking about that? Yeah, yet? it's fine. This is like, I feel like this is, if someone ever writes like a really obscure trivia round for Calgary Obscure History, like everyone else has forgotten about this except you and me. Um, I, I had a, uh, uh, I tried to do something that was similar to The Sprawl uh, two years before The Sprawl, 2016, I think. And yeah. it was called The Calgarian. I just recycled names apparently. And I did a crowd funding campaign, a Kickstarter, and I got a bunch of money, but not enough, and it just failed. The Herald fired me for, uh, kicked me out for, for doing that, but that's fine. Um, yeah, and, and I did the same thing. I, I reached out to people. I talked to you. Yeah. I think that might be the first time we met was when we, uh, that, yeah, like we knew each other online, but absolutely. not uh, in person. And yeah, we talked about stuff, and that's, that's where that advice that you remember, and I've clearly forgotten that I gave you, comes from, was get the get the crowd before you do the thing. Because why my thing failed was because I was asking for all this money before I had done anything, any of the work to show what it was going to be. And the part of the success of The Sprawl, I think, is that you did the work and then asked for the money. Like people could look and see the value of the work you were doing and that was easier for them to, to pony up some money. So Totally. And, and that's what you told me. You were like, yeah, that was my mistake was doing the crowdfunding first. Um, and I actually, when I was starting the sprawl my thought was to cover the civic election not even ask for money like not even bother with crowdfunding until after but i have a friend who's i don't know he's involved in startups and whatnot he's like what are you doing like set up a patreon like people will pay for it if you like just set it up and so yeah that seemed that seemed to work but i remember 
being at that same crossroads you were at and it's like do do i do a kickstarter and have like this huge number and try to make that much money um or do i do this patreon monthly payments thing and then it's more stable and i remember being uncertain about that um but now i look back and i'm like it'd be so hard to do the kickstarter thing like raise a huge amount and then you hit your target or don't but if you do okay you got that much you're gonna go through that and now what you got to like do that again and that's i think that's hard i mean like you said there's so many um media startups and journalism startups that fail that like there is no clearly defined path for doing this successfully because it's also different in every market and your your competition is different the needs of the market are different uh, the willingness of people to pay um so like yeah a lot of these questions are like i don't know maybe try this but like if it fails then it fails and totally. it's, it's a lot of pressure it is and yeah and i think it is different in each city like people have said like why don't you franchise the sprawl or whatever and it's like well it doesn't really make sense like the sprawl came out of knowing this community being in tune with like okay here are the gaps in the media landscape here's what the city could use i don't think you can just like copy and paste that and then say yeah this will work everywhere uh i don't think that's realistic i think you can look at it and be like oh this element worked for the sprawl or the calgarian or whoever it is or the narwhal and kind of pull from that to weave your own thing but like replicating i don't know it's it, it just doesn't it yeah. doesn't work you can't just pick something up in one city and drop it exactly as it is into another city and expect it to necessarily work exactly it, especially when the whole premise of what you're doing is like local trust like people trusting that like oh this is this is for my community stories about my community it comes from my community like yeah that that's foundational to what's happening so you can't you can't just like impose that places and expect it to work what kind of so the sprawl has been around for how long now uh, a year and a half over a year and a half now okay so it's not only it's not only survived but it's thrived you've, you've done pretty well um what kind of feedback did you get initially and have you gotten in that period since both positive and negative like what, what are some of the criticisms that you get mm-hmm. yeah uh positive people like the that it's a different model uh that it's you know it isn't predictable uh that it goes deep on on issues that aren't getting covered um one of the criticisms is the kind of weird model by the same token like why haven't you published something in three weeks uh that yeah that strikes people as a little strange so i think it's just a matter of explaining to people like hey here's here's how this works and here's why we're doing what we're doing um I mean, you always get criticisms of being biased or not being far enough this way or that way. But I don't know. There haven't been real sustained criticisms of that nature. Uh, okay, I've got a question for you then. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I'm curious about is uh, in Canadian media in general, we're having well, some of us are having a conversation about gatekeeping, who gets to make the decisions about what gets covered. Um, the thing about the sprawl is that it's, you're, you're very good about like you 
draw your ideas and inspiration and advice from a wide variety of people, um, not just journalists, I think, but like just people, smart people in the city. Um, but it's ultimately up to you. Like the, yeah. the control is centralized in one person and that one person is a white guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious how you think about that. How you, how do you address that? And like, is this, a sustainable like i don't know how far in the future you plan for this the sprawl to evolve but like is that is that a problem that you see you need to address structurally at some point or can you mitigate it by keeping it the way it is what do you think yeah i mean i think down the road for sure um like i i think of that often like that it shouldn't be me who's leading the sprawl like that eventually i'll pass this to somebody else and it is a weird model where it is like I don't know. It's it's strange because I kind of parlayed my local credibility into the sprawl, like local credibility as a freelancer. But then it's like, okay, but does Calgary actually need another white guy, white journalist kind of giving his view of things or his take on what's happening in the city? So, I mean, one of the things is uh, just being conscious of the voices uh, that are being amplified in the sprawl, both in terms of, you know, who I interview and whatnot, but also the writers and contributors. Um, and, and a lot of that is about building relationships. Um, and, and yeah, kind of taking time to be like, okay, what is the story that needs to be told? Who is the writer for that story? Like oftentimes I'm not the writer for that story. Um, so yeah, I wrestle with that for sure. Um, and I don't know that I have any really good answers uh, for it, except to say, like, it seems to be working for now, but yeah, in the future, for sure, you know, when the time comes to, you know, whether it's hire a staff writer or, or somebody else does a sprawl and it's no longer my thing. Like, I don't think that should be, um, you know, just a white male doing that. And to be honest, like, these are the questions that we, you and I have talked about this, like, we need to grapple with those questions in our city. And I think that, like, Calgary is a city where you can get away without having to grapple with those questions. Like the people in power uh, tend to be the same people and, and you can kind of get by. But I think it's an obligation to grapple with those questions. Yeah, absolutely. And what I was going to say was that like, yeah, you're a white guy who's running this thing. But like, I will give you credit because you are, uh, I know that you are more thoughtful and mindful of, of these things than a lot of other editors and, and producers and, and gatekeepers in Calgary, where um, even within the um, problematic uh, demographics of Canadian media in general, Calgary is exceptionally white in, okay. in its media uh, presence. Like even compared to Edmonton, um, it's just very, very white here. Um, and and you have done a, a, a commendable job of, of elevating voices and writers, uh, people of color, um, a, a, just a diversity of voices that you don't always see in other mainstream outlets. So I will, I, I will give you credit for that, but uh, I'm glad you're thinking about it. Um, let's talk about Facebook. Oh no. <laughs> so many feelings on this, but yeah, let's talk. So you are, you are, I mean, by any definition, a media mogul, you are, you've got, you, 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 you know, you've got the swagger, you, you've got the diamond rings and everything. Oh, yeah. The, Paul Godfrey, uh, you know, monogrammed uh, gold back scratchers. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> but you, d- you did get uh, a grant. You got some Facebook money. You got some Zuck bucks. Zuck bucks, yeah. 
Yeah, so last year, The Sprawl was one of five uh, Canadian media startups that were part of this. Uh, it was called the Digital Digital News Innovation Challenge, I think. But basically, it was Facebook wanted to support Canadian journalism, so they gave Ryerson a bunch of money to then dispense to Canadian journalism startups. A cynic might say that Facebook wanted to pay off the criticism of itself as killing the journalism, but, you know, that's... Yeah, it and, and, and democracy uh, also, but yeah. This was, this was in the wake, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, this was in the wake of the 2016 U.S. election where Facebook came under fire for, yeah, subverting democracy. Exactly. So they have, like, this Facebook journalism project, it's called. Yeah. And so, yeah, and I felt, and I still feel weird about that. Like, I feel torn about it. And I remember asking a few people, uh, like mentors who I trust, I'm like, this is available. Should I apply for this? Like, people had sent me the posting and said, like, this is right up your alley. You should apply. Um, and a few people I trust said, like, look, like, this money is going somewhere. You should apply for it. And so I did. Uh, and got it. So that was, it's funny because, I, and I'm glad for that. I'm glad, obviously, uh, that that happened, that I got the money, but it was also a burden in a way, like, because it was all about how do you bring these digital news startups to scale? And so I was part of this program through Ryerson. How do you bring the sprawl to scale? Um, and I struggle with that. Like, even now, I'm like, I don't know if the sprawl should scale. Like, what is scale? Uh, maybe it's the right size it should be right now. Uh, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I just struggle with this idea of, like, infinite growth and taking over the world. And I, it's just not me. Like, I'm not, it doesn't interest me. Like, as soon as we start talking like that, like, I just, I don't know. I lose interest. You suck as a capitalist, man. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a terrible capitalist. I'm a reluctant entrepreneur, is what I say. Like, it's not something that I would choose, although I did choose it. But anyways, more for the journalism than the entrepreneurship. So yeah, that um, this Facebook thing, uh, what it did mean is like, okay, now we could actually make ourselves a website and stuff like that. Like before, I didn't have, uh, like I was just publishing on Medium and just me. Um, and so then it was like, okay, now we can hire freelancers. We can hire Sam Hester uh, to do comics for the sprawl. And so, yeah, it kind of opened up new, new opportunities. But, but I still feel weird about it. So some people might say, like, you got 100 grand, and that's an opportunity to, like, not necessarily, like, scale, but just, like, to branch out into other platforms or different, uh, explore different ideas, like tackle projects that were outside of your, your capabilities before. But it sounds like what you've, what the, you're currently at least using the money for is just to like very tentatively, just like do a little bit more of what you're already doing. Like just get a few more freelancers and, and hire uh, Sam Hester and, and, and little, little increments rather than something like big and bold and, and splashy. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, exactly. And part of it I think is also the sprawl is weird, like, because a lot of it is about waiting for the right time. So, for example, you know, when I think of the sprawl and other cities, like, for me, from the get-go, I'm like, it doesn't make sense, except maybe Edmonton. Like, except maybe another Alberta city. So, maybe there will come a time where it's like, okay, Edmonton could use this, um, and here's how it could, you know, 
maybe just things will align in that way. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not compelled to like do this big expansion. And I'm part of that is like, I'm conservative by nature, not politically conservative, but like small C, just like how I approach, uh, cautious, you're cautious, cautious, I guess. Yeah. Like I, I'm not looking to, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I'm, I'm happy being small. <laughs> Tell me some of the lessons that you've learned doing this. Cause you've been at this for a while. A year and a half is a long time. You've got, uh, how many, what's your, what's your Patreon monthly take? Uh, it's about, it's over 7,500 Canadian now. So it's 70, 750 monthly contributors. Uh, and it shakes out to about 7,500 a month. Yeah. That's just nuts. That's wild. That's fantastic. Considering like this didn't exist two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, that's fantastic crazy. growth. Um, and you've, you've done a number of editions and they're, they're all over the map you did one on 17th Avenue. You did, of course, you started with the uh, civic election. You did the Olympics. Uh, you just wrapped up the provincial election. Um, what lessons have you learned from doing this, considering that you started off with so many more questions than answers on, on how to do this? What, uh, what are some of the answers to those questions from your perspective? Yeah, that's a good question. Like one, I think I've learned to trust my community. So like journalists, as we both know, are in a bit of a tough position nowadays in that public trust in journalism has been eroded. And we tend to expect that trust. Like you should trust journalists. We're going and getting information. We're getting the facts. Um, And I understand that. But like one of the I don't know. It's weird. As I keep going with the sprawl, it's just like, no, like you have to extend that trust to people before you expect it back. So even starting the sprawl, I think, was an extension of trust in a way like, yeah, I think maybe this community will support something like this. Um, more recently, um, I mean, I struggle with being crowdfunded. I struggle with the idea that 750 people are like ponying up five or 10 bucks a month. Or, or whatever it is, uh, to support the sprawl. And sometimes that weighs on me. Like, I, I feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm not uh, justifying that expense uh, that people are making. But I don't know. And it, it, even there, people, like, even just the last few days, people have sent me messages being like, don't worry, like, simmering is necessary. Like, don't worry if you haven't published anything. It's fine. Um, so I'm learning that, like how to trust my community. It doesn't have to be, I don't always have to be proving this. And my good friend, Taylor Lambert (laughs) also gave me good advice last week (laughs) when you said like, stop worrying about the model, stop second guessing the model all the time. Like it's working. So just like (laughs) run with it. I wouldn't listen to that asshole. (laughs) Yeah, he does complicate things when I talk to him. In a good way, though. Gets me thinking about things. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a big lesson. I'm trying to think what other lessons I've learned. I don't know. There's been... <laughs> how, do, how do you decide what to cover? So this is a good question and one that I think I can do better on. Because um, right now it's a mix of people suggesting things, kind of what I tend to gravitate towards. Um, it's Some of it is reading the room. 
some of it is like, well, with as with an election, it's like, here's an election campaign, like, okay, that's a very concrete, has a start and end date. So yeah, there's no real science or process behind it, but I, what I would like to do is make it so that there's better way for people to give feedback on that. So like if you sign up as a Sprawl member, okay, you can actually help steer the ship a bit in terms of what gets covered next. And I haven't found an elegant way to do that. Like I've, I've done like a Patreon survey early on. I did that where it's like, here's three things I'm thinking about for the next edition, vote on it. And, uh, I'll do whatever has the most votes and that's, that's okay. But yeah, I'd like to, there's, I don't know. I think there's a better way to do that. I don't know what it is though. There's, there is something, I mean, that's good. It's, it's sort of democratizing in a sense, but it's also, yeah, that, that, that's a, does that seem like a, a potential pitfall with that approach? Like uh, if people tell you to go cover something that you really don't think is worth your time covering, are you still going to have to do it? Cause that's what they voted on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the questions and there's something to be, some people say, you know what? I don't want you to ask me what to cover. Like you're the journalist. We, I trust you. I'm supporting you cause I believe in this and I trust your judgment. So just go, go do it. Uh, Quit bothering me. Yes, don't bother me. Don't send me a poll or any of that. Do your own job. Exactly. <laughs> don't outsource that stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a it's it's a balancing act because yeah, I don't even like doing the you know here's three ideas and vote on it like that's good. Um, I don't know what it is. There is a better way of doing this, but this this is the challenge with like this kind of journalism is it's like. Nobody knows, like, nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody has really, like, proven something uh, that works for this stuff. Like, people have tried stuff that have promising uh, returns and whatnot, but, yeah, I don't know. So, after a year and a half now, where does the sprawl go from here? Like, uh, how far... You said, like, at some point you envision handing this off to someone else, whether that's very far in the future or somewhere near, I'm not sure. Um... But what, what, do you, what do you see for the sprawls near and medium term future? Yeah, I mean, in terms of handing it off, like part, something I've been thinking about lately is, you know, I see myself becoming more of an editor, not the reporter on the ground doing everything. Like, I think it should be a new voice who's doing, doing that stuff. And yeah, and I don't know, I, I, I think there's other opportunities. So for example, when we were doing the library pop-up uh the pop-up newsroom one of the cool things was school groups came in and we were able to sam hester and i would give them kind of like a journalism crash course like here's how you do journalism and then with one of the classes we actually sent them loose in the library and we were like go research like find something that's important to you go in the library and research it and then come back and make a report and and so like one group made a podcast, which I actually used uh, on my podcast. It was good. Like, it was solid stuff. Other people wrote stuff. Some people did a comic with Sam. Um, so when I look at something like that, I'm like, that took, like, no or very little effort from us to, like, put that together. Like, all we did was be like, okay, we have a platform. We have some knowledge about how to use these tools. We're going to share that with you. Now go and do it. So I... I see the sprawl maybe doing more of that stuff. Like maybe, maybe an addition is, you know, happens in a school and it's students that make it. Um, I see 
that kind of stuff happening. So I, I don't know. So I, I kind of gravitate toward that stuff more now. And I, I also realize like, yeah, like the reporting, <laughs> it's like somebody told me like, it's a young person's game. <laughs> like it's, I, th I think somebody who's younger and with more energy to do that stuff. Uh, Are you saying you're old? We're like, we're well, basically I'm, the same I'm, age. I'm getting old. I feel like the sprawl has added like years on my life. Yeah. But yeah, like I think, I, or even when I think of myself at fast forward, like I was young and hungry and like getting in there and doing all this investigative stuff and kind of stirring things up. Yeah. So I wonder who, who's going to do that for the sprawl. I see there, I see that happening, but I don't know what that looks like yet. And I don't know if it's, necessarily the time right now for that but i think eventually so you're more comfortable just being the cantankerous old editor behind the desk i guess so <laughs> Deal bottle of whiskey with, and cigarettes yeah dealing with uh troublesome freelancers like yourself j jonah jameson bring me pictures of spider-man yeah exactly uh, all right i think that's all my questions no wait i have one more question can i have a raise uh <laughs> no comment <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy, for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's it for the show. Big thanks to Jeremy Clausus. You can check out The Sprawl at sprawlcalgary.com and find Jeremy on Twitter at Clausus. The Calgarian is hosted and produced by me, Taylor Lambert. Theme music is Dandelion by Ghostkeeper. If you like this show, please feed and water it. Tell your friends, share it online, or consider becoming a supporter for as little as a buck a month on Patreon. Visit thecalgarian.ca for more details, and find me on Twitter at TS underscore Lambert. Thanks for listening. <laughs>